welcome to the Clash Music Interview Podcast. In this new episode, we brought to Yanis Philipparkis, frontman of Oxford Quintet Foles, as his band returns with their second album, Total Life Forever. Coming up, we talk about the change in the band's sound since their Antidote's debut, Yanis's interest in futurology and its impact on their music and just where Foles plan to take us next. To begin with, we asked about the band's new smoother sound and whether it was a conscious decision. We also chat about the changes in the band itself since its founding back in 2005. I think that some of that is definitely to do with the production rather than that being to do with the writing. Some of that's just the, the kind of um, tone that Luke um, and the aesthetic that Luke brought to it. We talked about trying to make the record sound modern a lot and I think that um, he wanted to write, you know, he wanted the production of the record to sound quite, um, t- you know, try at least attempt to sound timeless. And I think sometimes those sharper edges are things that can become gimmicky often or like they can date records very quickly. So. Um, but I, I, I mean, in terms of like the the depth and stuff, we definitely. I mean, with tracks like Spanish Sahara, that was written and recorded as is. That was written in the basement, and it had that amount of space to it. And it had that um, hushed quality to it, and a lot of the material was a bit softer. Definitely got more into like reverbs and. Um, when we first started the band, there was an obsession with like clean sounds, cleanliness, and precision, and. Um, and structured, like uh, structured songwriting, or like at least making all the five instruments uh, work in a structural way. And then with this record, it really that wasn't that was the kind of the furthest thing, around, you know, away from Elmore. We particularly when we're writing and recording uh, the album, we think we think about the album mm. more than individual tracks. Um, I definitely think you know there's an art to try to make something work within three minutes and be instant and accessible. And I think that it's not something that we turn our noses up at, but it's not really on the, at least with this record, it wasn't really on the forefront of our mind. Like when we started as a band to track like Hummer and things, we wanted to make proper tight pop, it, like instant pop. And um, with this record, it wasn't, it just wasn't the, um, the emphasis wasn't on that. That's not to say we, we, we won't, you know, like, you know, think about singles or more poppy, mm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really. I, I think I think it's you know, I, I, you know, I think we feel good in that respect that we can get away with not having to do that, and um, that the album that is the thing that does well. I think that you know, because we put the equal amount, the equal amount of attention to all the tracks. The band's new, more expansive sound will never top the charts. But did Yanis and Co feel any concern about the lack of a big, easily identifiable single? And how does the commercial and artistic demands play out in the band? We all really like pop music, and we all—it's—we're kind of like a bipolar band in a sense, you know. Mm. So the, the the fulfillment comes out when we manage to. We feel like we're um, balancing both those, b- both those, um, like fat, you know, both. What's the word? Um, like, but both the facets within within a track. And the tracks that we feel happiest with are the ones where we feel like there's a harmony between um, us trying to make something that's poppy and communicative, and and we and I admire like you know a lot of pop music. That, that's the kind of aim, the craft of songwriting. But without it being stale or derivative mm. and that that's that is the challenge of being 
in this band as opposed to like you know if we were to do our own music. You know? Next, we asked Yanis what catalysts provoked the change heard in the second album, Total Life Forever, and asked about his interest in futurology, its impact on the songs, and how long it had been an interest before it started appearing in his music. Quite a long time. I've always been like, I always find myself to be quite sentimental about um, like previous ages or. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like formats, like book, you know, I like books and I like tangible things, and I think, um, and also just being quite like relatively fearful of change or the unstoppable nature of change, like, like quite like being in control of my surroundings, and particularly, I think, over the last like our generation has seen a massive amount of change, and um, in a very insidious way as well. It's not like we've had, we've had like some. It's like clear demarcated event that that when that then you can deal with and you can place your feelings or, or you can analyze it. But it's something that's been the 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 the, the, the creep of technology and the way that it, it affects relationships and everything and the way that you feel. I don't know. Um, so it's something that's always, was always like a concern. I was quite, you know I liked you know buying old photos or like looking at old family things or feeling like there was a better ancestry before mm. and that somehow we had like diluted versions of our, our ancestors or whatever. Well, I think, what, I think Black Gold um, hopefully works on like more than one level mm. because it's quite open, they're quite open um, images that are just up and down, they're like opposites, top of the world, bottom of the ocean. Um, but I think that you can definitely read into, I mean obviously the chorus is like, the future is not what you've seen, it's not where you've been. The future is not what it used to be, mm-hmm. and um, and that and, and somewhere in a way, like to me, uh, anyway. I mean, I don't, this, it's not. I don't think it's that important for it to come across to the listener. But for me, it's definitely set in like it's not set in like a hot desert or anything. It's set in a kind of ravaged, mm. like almost like the road, like a post, totally. you know, I mean, like a yeah. nuclear fallout, weird lunar, like where all of nature's just been sort of burned away. Yeah. Or at least most of it has been burned away. We closed by asking if Total Life Forever was a reaction to that Antidote's debut, or did they see it as a progression? Just what are the band's plans for the future? And will they even plan these things out this far? Yeah, not really, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to obviously make, you know, I think we'd all like to make at least one or two more records and do something that where there's like a big body of work. I mean, that's one thing that, that's one thing that's just to answer your first question, but we did, um, we definitely didn't want to make like this album as a sort of act of conflict against the first one. It's not like, and some people like pit, you know, our band's albums against each other almost as like one being, but we really wanted to look at it as one body of work. And if we, and from the first album to the B-sides and then to this, it's like, I think there is a progr- there's a linear progression that you can mm. see. And I think, um, you know, hopefully we can just keep it being exciting and fresh and enjoyable for people to listen to.
been listening to the Clash Music Interview Podcast. To read more on Foles and get the full interview, visit www.clashmusic.com. Clash Magazine is a UK independent publication available from all big news agents. Or subscribe online where you can also find DJ mixes, interviews, free downloads, competitions and a litany of musical surprises. So until next time, give it one time for the sunshine. Again.